And you mentioned the metaverse. So what is the metaverse and what's the latest with how it's developing and evolving? Yeah, and that's a tricky one, right? It's like the metaverse is a space. It's like literally an environment that you build or artists, people build. Um, there's been so many, um, again, hype cycle. Metaverse started in Snow Crash was a book that was written, I don't know, 20, 35 years, 40 years ago, something like that, 35 years ago. And they took the term metaverse from this book. And then there's a company called Second Life that in mm -hmm. 2003 started their process. By 2006, I was actually using Second Life at Kaiser Permanente for healthcare. It, they were literally using it to to uh, develop knowledge to nursing. So you could actually go into Second Life, create a character, your avatar, and then you interact with nurses from all over the world, learning together in these spaces. That's genuinely what you're doing. You're just interacting together, you know, in a, a real-time experience. So the most important thing is that you're, it's real-time, right? So it's like, I'm here, you're here, and we're experiencing this together. Mm -hmm. That's the whole shared experience of the metaverse, simplified. Yeah. Then there's next levels, which is like, you can actually own property, you can do things. There's company. There's a uh, platform called Decentraland. Um, there's Ro Roblox fits in certain pieces of it, not all because it's so gaming, but there's lots of ways to you know, like create environments. Many of you have probably been on Fortnite. It's a game, but there's realms in that game, right? Yeah. So it's like all of these spaces could be considered alternate verses, mm -hmm. which you know gets to a metaverse. Um, I would say Decentraland is probably the most um, committed to this experience as far as music is concerned. They actually have a room established. It's a, a studio, um, and they have the Rock and Unicorn experience, which these um, this wonderful woman, Robin, she completely uh, engages so many people. And, you know, they throw concert series and um, festivals in the metaverse as well. So when you're doing something like that, it's obviously a bit more, you know, it's like kind of what we went through in 2020 when everybody was learning how to do, you know, an OBS or like some kind of a stream. So you have to have a little bit of technical experience to do it. But there's people, there's a, a gentleman, a 76-year-old man in Second Life uh, a blues artist who's making money doing blues shows in Second Life, and he's been doing it for years. So it's like there is a lot. This is uh, this um, when Meta decided to become Meta. I was like, that is the most inauthentic thing I've ever heard. There's yeah. no way this was going to last, and it didn't. It's just amazing because you can't just say you're Meta. Mm -hmm. You have to like actually earn it. You have to create it, build it, and it's not just like it's not the goggles that makes it a metaverse. That is a, a augmented, you know, visual VR component to it, but the real metaverses just exist in these spaces on your computer as well. So you can do a lot in that without having to put any device on your face as well. And I, you know, I'm not exactly sure where it's all going, but the fact that it's been here before the hype cycle and there's still people working through it now, I don't think it's going anywhere. I just think it's like when you do pull the numbers back, what was really a kind of uh, sort of like a weird moment was when you realize maybe at any given time, there's not a lot of people using it together. So that does make you question how much money you would spend in developing it. But if you are, you know, able to use environments, then like you can push your people to it. And instead of having to put the visual goggles on, they're just like in Decentraland experiencing the music and watching in your avatars dance. And I mean, it is kind of a fun experience. I'm not going to lie. Like it's very fun. When we did the research on it, I think we did like meetups in like 10 or 
so of these experience in environments and you just learn a lot of like frankly how bad you are at left right turn jump <laughs> all of those things but more importantly i think it is a space where um you know when you when you do the research you realize that the neurodivergent audience of today is very much welcomed in that space mm-hmm. and you can literally do and be whoever you want to be you can be half lizard and half sword you, you can do whatever you want your characters can emulate anything and it feels very much like you don't have any barriers to being yourself. And that is the biggest draw of it. Definitely. That's amazing. So how are and how do you think artists will be able to work with and benefit from the metaverse? Well, the ones that I've seen doing it so far have been, you know, most of it's first to market, right? It's like mm-hmm. that always becomes a, oh, I'm the first person to do this. Or yeah. I'm like, I'm very cutting edge, but they can actually earn, you know, if you're, there's a company um, who does sinks in the metaverse as well. There's so many ways that you can earn money in that space if you're connected to it. But what I will say, this is probably the most critical thing for both Web3 and the metaverse. um, It is not a cash grab. It is not a place to go and just expect to earn. You got to spend the time there. And if people feel like, especially in Web3, that you come in and you just want to earn and you don't want to spend time there, they will call you out on it. Um, They call it rugging or fudding and all sorts of interesting things. But most important is just like, don't do it if you're thinking it's going to earn you money. Do it if you feel like your audience will benefit from it. Again, the whole reason I'm doing these research projects for me is to understand what the consumer, what the audience, what the user feels like, what the fan feels like. In a metaverse experience, if you're going in to to share your music with a fan base that's already existing, they're going to love it. There's not going to be a problem. But if you think your fan base is going to join you there, that's where it gets a little complicated. You have to do the work to make sure that you're part of the space. There are people who will guide you through it, like the woman from Rockin' Unicorns. They're not alienating. They're very welcoming. But it's not just like a one-and-done thing. It's like they want you to be a part of it. It's yeah. a, you know, it's kind of like an, an, another community. It is another community. Um, and again, in the Web3 space, they sniff it out really fast. So I would just say, like, you know, the big artists that go in there, like Rick Ross did an NFT drop a couple months ago, and it was very complicated, but he... He got through it. You know, he was like, this is what I want to do. I want to have an NFT. I want it to be meaningful. I want to give away a piece of my jewelry. Like he wanted to be a part of it. So I think, you know, you can't, you can't, I can't underscore enough. Make sure you're in it for the right reasons because the the fan base in it already is, is very, um, they're aware, very aware of people coming into the space, taking money from people and then disappearing. Absolutely. And like I said, it's it's how you use new technology. This is a very imperfect example, but maybe 10 years ago or so I was managing an artist and, and Twitter was kind of like the thing. And he's like, I tweeted, I'm not big yet. You know, it's like, how are you using the technology? The technology is not necessarily going to do yeah. it for you. And, you know, I was explaining the metaverse to my dad who was kind of cranky about it. And I said, look, like, you know, it's what we were talking about before. It's, it's going to become ubiquitous where... I'm like, Dad, you'll, like, be at a Neil Young concert, and maybe you never thought about, like, what a concert smelled like or kind of, like, bumping into someone. Or, like, I would like to go to a Tina Turner Turner concert or I would like to go to a Beatles concert or something. So, yeah, the sky yeah. is really uh, the limit on that. Yeah, there was something you just said that made me think, oh, there was, like, um, it is, uh, it's, it's, 
it's not going to go away, but yeah. I think we have to think about the future. Right. So, right. When we look at things when your dad and you were talking about it mm-hmm. and when my friends and I talk about it or our colleagues talk about it, you know, I often remind them this isn't about us at all. It's in fact, certainly not about me, right? It's about how do you find ways to make sure that if they're there, it's paid off, right? Like it's, it's the future generations. Because if you think about, I mean, I don't know if you have any, um, I have nephews, all of them play video games. Sure. You know, they call me and they're playing a video game. They're not even, their FaceTime is up at the thing and they're just like, hi, Auntie Kristen, I'm just going to play my video game while we talk. That's a, a world that exists. And many, many people are already, millions of people are already doing that behavior. This isn't a layer over that because their comfort zone as a fan is to be engaged with a platform, right? So it's like, this is not difficult for them. They're not, they're like, they're looking for music in those games. They're looking for things in that they're hearing it. They're picking it up. They're, uh, Brains are wired so differently than what we were about being with, you know, AM and FM dials or, you know, even the Spotify's, you know what I mean? Like most of them are just finding music and listening to music on the games. They're not going to Spotify. They're not going to Apple Music to listen to things. So, you know, we have to think about where do you, how do you meet fans where they are? And again, depending on your music, that might be an area you have to meet fans in. And this is one of the things to consider now so that you can start being like, am I that artist? Is this for me to do? And if so, how can I get there? And who's going to get me there? And what kind of companies exist to get my music in a sync for a metaverse concert or a metaverse? Uh, there's a uh, they did a uh, you know, New York Fashion Week kind of thing with. I mean, think about Balenciagas in the metaverse. Major brands have stores in the metaverse, and they're selling chains that unlock things and watches that do something or a hairband or, you know, face mask, whatever it is, a bodysuit. Why not have something associated? Like, it's like, this is there. And now people are going to it in these younger audiences. So we have to just figure out like, what, how do you meet them? Where are they? Yeah. Is it, it's not like it's, it's going to be huge right now. Yeah. We're probably another 20 years away from it being huge. I mean, for what it's worth, it might not happen in our lifetime, but it is certainly something to think about because there are enough people in that space trying to figure it out now that if the, you know, if the world weren't in a VC, you know, down part, right, mm-hmm. you know, market right now, you'd probably hear a lot more about it because it still has a lot of rewarding benefits. And like I said, the benefits to the humanity piece there are a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable being out and about, and this is a good place for them to be Yeah, safe. So speaking of humanity, mm. uh, AI is a whole podcast in and of itself, more so than right. even a single oh, episode. So beyond destroying us all Terminator style, are there ways that AI can benefit artists now? Um, I, I personally love what Grimes is doing, for example. Yeah. Well, she was, she's not the first one to do that. Mm-hmm. Actually, Holly Harridan was the first one to put her voice out. And cool. we studied, we interviewed um, Dreams Never Die. So we did, in Water Music, we did, um, I was uh, able to help co-lead a the last research project, season three, on creative AI and music. Yeah. And when, like, you interview um, Dreams Never Die and Holly Harridan's partner, they all, they worked together to take her voice. She had been studying this. Her and her partner had been studying this for, I think it was like 10 years, seven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out how to get her vocals 
like Grimes did, give the vocal stems out, give the vocals out and let people do it. So over time, they've created these sound files and literally put out her voice and said, here, now sing your song through my voice. Yeah. And that's exactly what Grimes is doing. Because she's, I'm so, I mean, it's fascinating watching people come out of the woodwork and they're just like, I want to play with this. I want to sound like Grimes. So, and in her case, you know, 50% of what they put out, if she, you know, she'll, she'll earn from it. Um, so that there is an attachment for financial benefit, but it's more, again, even though Holly did it first, Grimes got there because yeah. she was the first major, you know, artist of note to like do something with it. Uh, I do think that when I, when we first started the AI, uh, the project itself, I was very um, antagonistic, I guess is a nice word to say. Um, just felt like, what are we doing here? And how, like, is this a race to mediocrity or a race to the bottom, right? Especially as far as quality music is concerned. I now think that there are some things that if you're like the Grimes and Holly Harridan thing, it was the first thing I said, well, this, this is an insight that if you are an independent artist and you actually have a very unique name or voice, uh, it's really not hard now it was before, but now it's not hard for someone to literally make your voice into some form of an AI offering. Yeah. And, um, you know, about a year ago, I was like, one of my artists did stems, Jessica Childress did stems for Lander mm -hmm. in her voice. She did a whole package, you know, plug, plug in package. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to do the oohs and the ahs and the ah uh, and make it into her voice and then offer that? Because I had a feeling that was going to be the next phase of this, which I think will happen, but it's, it's just taking your voice and making it into AI. That allows you to be more in control. You can get it in front of producers, in front of engineers, in front of right, you know, people, and just have them use your vocal stems. So it is an interesting. That is one area that I think, if you if you have the ability, maybe start looking into that because it is certainly could be where you sell your vocals as a package, and you know. Perhaps that's interesting to some artists and some producers. I think the other area that I immediately realized is the future is the prompter. So anyone who's ever touched ChatGPT, Midjourney, Dolly, any of the text to whatever, you realize how important prompting is. Prompting is probably, you know, as a manager, it would be interesting to find people who actually prompt in a certain way, you know, because it can also be really um uh, unique to them, right? It's like their own, their own uh, way of getting, just like you would hire a photographer to get a certain look or a graphic designer to get a certain look or an artist to get a certain look. You could now do that in AI and say like, I want it to sound this way. I want it to sound like I was using a, like a vintage mic from the seventies with a bass from the, you know, 1967, you know, and like have the sound file actually come out like you want it to, yeah. right? So there, that's the stuff that's coming. And there's rudimentary areas now that are working in that space. Many platforms are trying to, you know, work through that. Um, then there's the opposite of this spectrum, which is people who are not musically inclined, really, and never, but always felt connected to it, but never felt like they were a music musician, right? So there's companies now that are doing things to just inspire creativity, which is a really big piece of what this is about, right? Inspiration. So AI, you know, it sounds very scary. There, there's, 
a lot to unpack in that. I'm keeping it strictly on the music piece yeah. and I'm trying to find the opportunities because we all know there's a lot of rails that we need to be careful about. Yeah. Um, ingestion, proprietary ingestion. Have I been trained.com? You should go there and check out and see if any of your artists have been used. I found out Hamish Anderson had been used in some things. You know, it's like if you want to rail your artists against it, it's very complicated to do that. Like sure. now it. You know, chat GPT has been ingested up to 2001 and it stopped, right? So 2002 and 2023 don't exist in those models, but chat, but GPT-4 has that. So it's like, these are areas where if you're looking for lyric inspiration or ideas, or if you're trying to, frankly, if you're just writing a caption for your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever, you can consult it. Like, I always think of it like, in my mind, what I'm using it for is... Um, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? You know, literally just like a little dialogue, you know, in, with respect to creating music, that's a whole different ballgame. Part of the AI work that we did also reviewed terms of all of these platforms. I highly recommend you take a look at that. Um, before you start ingesting anything into any AI model, just make sure you know what their use is with it afterwards. And, you know, most of these companies are hip to the fact that you can't copyright anything unless it's proprietary. Mm -hmm. So many of them are actually creating their own sounds and putting it into their own ingestion systems. And that's how they know that they can create like boomy, you know, people have these files exist. um, And then you're leveraging that. So they'll own it, right? Because they created these proprietary pieces, but you'll be able to like, in some cases, especially in boomy, actually create something on boomy I think they are at 12 or 13 million songs now, and they can actually put that into a DSP. Um, they have had a massive um, news cycle recently uh, because, you know, and everybody's been, uh, I'm sure some of you have probably been on the copyright conversations um, around AI. Uh, and they're the ones, they're the first ones to say they're like basically going to market at a DSP. And so the DSPs suppressed their songs and then reestablish them because they weren't sure if they were actually, you know, just like, you know, helping the market. You know what I mean? Like already, what is a hundred thousand songs going to Spotify, going to the DSPs a day? Like you don't really need another million songs in there that are drivel, right? So I think it's, uh, there's a balancing act. So feeling creative on one side, really great and inspired um, within that environment. Same thing with the metaverse. Um, but I think as far as musicality is concerned, there are some that are better than others as far as like reasons why you would do this. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hope that makes sense. It makes total sense, you know, and obviously there's a lot of concerns, you know, um, around AI coming from artists, coming from people that support artists, you know, really in all fields. And, you know, can true artists ever be replaced? But I also want to reiterate again what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode and talking about with you, that fan experience, right? Like, sure, yeah, you could have AI sending your community.com direct to fan text messages, but this is why it's important. And you mentioned Taylor Swift, you know, to cultivate that community, cultivate that fan audience, right? Because you want them to be a fan of you, not, you know, a machine. Right. I mean, look, I, I, I deal mostly in, in black music, soul and blues, rock and roll, right? That's my favorite genre. And I'll mm-hmm. do anything in that space, most likely. Yeah. Um, one of the contemporaries of one of my artists, she's a very accomplished Jackie Benson, very accomplished guitarist. And she's doing really well. Today, she just dropped, or a couple days, maybe it was a couple days ago, but she, no, it was today. She dropped a Jackie by Robot, you know, Robot Jackie or something, or Automated. And it was like her way of just playing around with the AI stuff. I think if you're creative in general, it needs a human to be creative. Yeah. It just does. Right. It's like if you're creative, this is just another tool, like a synth, like a like a, a MIDI player, you know, like a beatbox, like, you know, it's just another tool to use. It's not meant to be replacing humans. Mm-hmm. There are some jobs that will absolutely struggle. And I think that I can already tell you, I finished an online mastering research prog- program uh, project and... I think online mastering might struggle for the future. You know, like it's a question mark. You know what I mean? Like what's the black box in mastering period? That one might be vulnerable. You know, a human being absolutely brings touches to that. But can everybody afford it, right? Because, you know, mastering is very, very expensive. So there's certain DAWs that are going to already replace maybe some of the more, you know, rudimentary mastering experiences. Um, But I, other than that, I'd say there's like, you know, you still want a human to run an idea by. And I don't think that's going to change. I do think it is engaging. I'm not going to lie. Like I totally love that I got chat GPT to tell me that I had a good point the other night when I was talking about (laughs) subscriber-based models with it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, you know, just don't rely on it. Let's yeah. put it that way. And don't go to market with something that you, you know, could question its, you know, your own ownership of it. 100%. So you're obviously live immersed in all this stuff, metaverse, AI, Web3. You live in a beautiful state, too. How do you find balance? Oh, wow. Did you just ask me? Yes. Oh, I mean, I here's I read a book called The Great Work of Your Life when I left my my career in advertising, and I realized that music is my love. So I feel very lucky. Uh, it is a passion for me. I have been warned that I will hate music after working in it, but it's been over ten years. I still don't hate it. Um, so my balance is, frankly, sitting in space quietly doing breathing exercises and trying to find where I am in things because you're, you're right. Like everything comes at us all the time. I don't have office hours that are normal. Um, I was joking with Jake before, uh, or Mike, I think it was, but I was like, this is my mother's sign when she was a therapist. I have it in my 
office because it's like most of what I do is counseling and just, you know, trying for all of us to stay present, stay focused, uh, you know. And so for me, it's just a matter of like taking the taking a beat, not having everything have to be reactive all the time. And I love walking. I walk almost every day. I take walks in Hollywood. I go see the crazy people out and everything. And it's just very humorous. I'll take a hike. Um, I do ride. I I spend a lot of time with my sister. I I just really, you know, enjoy my nephews. And I'm very lucky to like, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm at a place now where I, you know, I know the value of some downtime and I need to prioritize that for me in order to be better for everybody else. So true. Um, well, do you have time for some questions? I know I'm keeping you a little longer than what we promised. Anything, Anything you want to add before we open it up to the audience? I mean, honestly, if anybody has any questions, this I blew through a lot of this very fast. This is the New York talker in me still. Um, so I'm open for any questions afterwards too. But I would just say, like, have some fun with the stuff. And, yeah. you know, really, if you could do anything, try and support an artist who's going through this just so you have your mm-hmm. own experience. And you can decide for yourself. You know, that's the best way to do it. Is just honestly get started, try it, get a wallet, see what it feels like and have some fun. And in the AI space, just be careful. Why should we be careful? Gotta oh, just don't up. put in, just don't, don't overuse it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not, that's not going to be the relying, have original thought, you know, most important, be original because it, it, we're going to be in a mediocre, you're going to be able to tell what things were written by AI. You know what I mean? Like these are all, you know, concise things coming, start making sure you're outside the box, you know, bring something to the table. I've got to say. I spoke at a university a few weeks ago, and I got an email from a student who was applying for an internship, a student who was in that class, and I wrote back and I said, did you use AI to write this email? Wow. And because it was so obvious. And I wrote, I responded in a very non-judgmental way. So then he took it a step further. I got what felt like another AI response talking about how great it is for young people to use these tools. And I said, please talk to me like a human, you know, like it was very obvious that that first email was written by AI and really it didn't make any sense. And to me, it kind of, it's kind of like, um, you know, I talk to text a lot, but I always read it back before I press send. Have you ever gotten text from like, what is this? Oh my God. And I got emails like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. From a sync agent in New York. And I wrote back, I was like, I don't understand this at all. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No punctuation. I know that's like a thing by the past, but yeah. Totally. Just be original. No matter what, all of this will benefit you if you have original thinking. It's just try and not be everything everybody else is doing. It's so true. Great. Well, please introduce yourself in the mic and AMA. Uh, My name is Colin Dworsky. I'm a music producer here in New York. Uh, I have a client who is, uh, he's so creative with the AI use. So he has a great following on TikTok. And my question is, so we, we produced a bit where he, he had his own verse. He's a rapper. He had his own verse and then did a verse. And then we sent it to an AI producer. And the second verse was in, we he used Drake's voice and then uploads mm-hmm. this up to TikTok. Yeah. And it blows up. It does great. But mm-hmm. then I'm like, well... Where where where's where do you think the legislation is going to head if he wants to make this an NFT or some sort of digital thing where someone can own something that is using some of this other technology? 
Before I don't you answer, think he can. can I just say that my attorney was going to come tonight and then she couldn't come? I'm almost so glad she's not here because her head would explode with that question. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't go to NFT with that. I mean, yeah. it's just the, the community won't even allow for it, to be honest with you. Um, and I also think, again, coming back to it's like, I, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I would I would really be very careful in that space. But, you know, for what it's worth, no one gets sued right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people I know who are on a list of people who are going to eventually get sued. Yeah. It's up to you. I mean, you can make a name for yourself. It sounds like you've already done that job. I don't know why you... I would just... I double down on who that artist is as a person, like, or the producer, like, I don't, it just feels to me like, what are you, what's the benefit to that artist? Yeah. And also, um, Drake's huge, so they might not care, but, um, they could take that to Drake's management and be like, Hey, look at what we did. And I would think that a forward thinking, you know, artists and management would be like, cool. Maybe we, w- maybe you go in on an NFT together, you know, cause yeah, that, you, that's you the main issue. Absolutely is, pitch yeah. them. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, was just I would definitely say, like, is, is Drake interested in getting involved in this? Yeah. He's probably not going to be wanting you right. to do an NFT. You know, there was an artist recent, uh, an NFT release recently with someone who owned one of Rihanna. She was he was a producer of Rihanna's song. Uh, I think it was Umbrella, mm-hmm. I think, um, or maybe it was Ponce to Replay. But anyway, basically, he put his per- his portion of the song out as an uh on the on chain to sell right as and and that eventually got out i was like looking at it going how on earth is this legally possible i'm not exactly sure what happened with it. i think it was taken down but it is interesting because he owned a right of the song so te- technically he could sell his portion of it so yeah. i just think you need to be very careful and again just think about it is that going to help the artist yeah exactly anyone else i'm also happy yeah come on up I was going to say, I'm also happy to answer any of the kind of more, I was going to say traditional distro, now distro questions, but I also cover, we covered a lot of that um, in this episode in season two with CD Baby um, Chief Revenue Officer Christine Barnum. So I'm happy to answer that, but um, go ahead. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tatiana. I just want to say thank you. I'm going to watch this like a million times over again. I feel like all the info is marinating, but I'm so thankful Uh, for all the info. Um, So my question is, like, I've been really having a lot of fun on chat GPT, where it's kind of, like, replaced Google for me, and also, like, Bard, which is, like, Google's version, and now on Discord and learning mid-journey. So I'm just wondering, like, if I want to use, like, my own likeness Mm -hmm. to do, like, my own artwork, then, like, how does that work with sort of, like, mixing the AI with, like, being able to use it or if I decide to make an NFT it's like me but it was made in mid-journey like how am I able like if like can you combine web three with web two I guess like if I'm like Mm -hmm. I made this music video and then I want to put it like on my other like avenues that I've grown and then I guess the other part of my question is like connectivity like if like I have my own NFTs and then another artist has like their NFTs, like how do we like come like combine our fans? Because I feel like my most growth has been with collaboration and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if my question. Yeah, it makes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I'm, I I think that well. So the one question I heard was, can I use my own image? 
your own image and likeness in these platforms to create for yourself? And the answer is yes, you totally can. As long as you are, you know, own the image and like think about it through the lens of like a photographer, just make sure that they allow the rights for something. Like if you, if the image, you know what I'm saying? Like whoever took yeah. that image, just make sure they're covered off on. Cause yeah. you know, from a copyright perspective, they might have some say over that. Um, but yeah, you should totally, and that's the whole point is like, have some fun with it on your, you know, like on you <laughs> see what it feels like. Cause then it's safe. You know, um, I'm not sure about the second aspect of that. Can you repeat that question? Um, so I guess my second, um, the, other part of it was, okay, so now I've taken, even if I took a picture on my iPhone and I put it in mid-journey to make my own IP, then I guess sort of like, I want to give it to my fans to maybe make it like an NFT, right? And give it to them as like, oh, this is an image. Or even if I made like a short animated video, but then I'm like, to for them to own it. And then can I put it on web two? And then if I, if I start like, getting income from it, like, mm-hmm. but they own it, like, yeah. what does that mean? And then also, like, if I have an NFT, an NFT, and then, like, one of my friends has an NFT, how do we, like, sort of combine our sort of, like, connectivity between, like, our fans? Because it's just, like, we've yeah. always seen, like, that's the most growth for me is, like, doing, like, collaboration. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so... Yes. So the idea of you putting this out as an NFT and can you put it on other places? Yes, you can. Think about, like I said, this piece of art. If I make it into an NFT, the NFT is purchased. They don't own that art. That art's mine. That's the copyright right there. So that's how you look at it. This is just one aspect of it that they have purchased, just like if they would a print of it. So you have, and this is where smart contracts, like if you're going to do something like that, just make sure it's delineated because you're in charge, right? Like you get to set the terms. That's the whole point to this is you don't give away more than you have to give. You just do it the way that it should be done, right? Where it's upfront, transparent, and everybody knows what's up. So you could say, look, if I I, want to sell my art, I want to sell my a video. I give. I want to give you a video. First of all, I do think if you have never done this before, start giving things first because you know unless your fans are ready to go and they have a wallet, they're going to need onboarding. And onboarding when you have something that they could do for free, but it has a specific time period, is a lot smarter for you to release with than if you say, buy this and you only have a certain period of time because you don't even know if they have a wallet and they can do that behavior. So I feel very strongly, try to give something first. And then I think the second part is like, you know, if you're going to go through all of that and say you find another person who's done some NFT experience as well, you could say if you're a holder of, right, that, like, if you're a holder of a water and music stream, or you're a holder of uncut jewels, you know, NFT, then you can access this. So that's a way of drawing from those two audiences straight to your new thing. That's how you do that. That's a combined effort. And then they say, hey, what would we get in return? Oh, well, so this is like a special allow list that people who have these two areas, other tokens, can now access yours. It's an engagement strategy. That's what all of this is. So you're smart to think about it through the lens of combining efforts with someone. If you and that artist do a combined NFT, where you do the song files together or you do the art file together, and you both own that together, and that could be another thing where it's like to buy or grant be grant mint that NFT, you have to hold one of either one of your previous NFTs to do so. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, and I, I would add too, it kind of reminds me of like remix contests, right? Or having fans like do artwork and stuff. So like, could you have a smart contract that says that uh, you own the NFT 50-50 and the fan owns it 50-50? Could you do something like that? So I, this is where it gets to like, what's the, what is that ownership 50? I mean, yes, you can cut it any way you want. But then yeah. I think the question is like, how complicated of an experience do you really want this to be, sure. right? If they resell it, the point would be, yeah. do you get any money from that? Right. Right? Yeah. So, and also think about it through the lens of like uh, a ticket to a community. Once you, like the CryptoPunk community, if yeah. you purchase that CryptoPunk or you purchase whatever, you know, thing that you buy, Pudgy Penguin, whatever it is, or a Latasha music video, and you're part of the Discord because of it, you're part of that community because of it. Mm-hmm. If you sell that, you don't get to be part of the community more. The person right. who owns it does. So this is where it's unlocking something very, very specific and it's exclusive to you when you own it, Mm -hmm. not afterwards. Yeah. Because I was thinking about the, any sort of co-ownership or something you could build into a smart, smart contract where you could bring it back into web 2.0 and then same with collaborating your friend when you're saying like, well, we have two NFTs. Can we combine them? You know? Yeah. 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 But this guy, like I said, yeah. Go ahead. There's a lot of ways to do it. I just think when you're thinking about it, think think through the engagement lens, right? The, how you would engage a fan base of another artist. Yes. And it's the same way. It's like, we'll do a show together. We'll do a, a remix together. You know what I mean? We'll get in the studio together. There's lots of different ways you can do it. When you're working through that, there will be obvious pitfalls on any resale component because that's where both of you will be it's just like a song it's like you don't want to sell it and then have it taken away from you later so you have to be really careful just make sure that it's sort of like a a likeness but not the piece you know what i'm saying yeah oh my god thank you i could not find this on the internet anywhere like an answer for this but i'm I'm so thankful for this and i think mostly it's really just a lot of fun at this point mm-hmm. and but it's also as an artist yeah. I want to feel like but I don't want to do the wrong thing and then happen what happened to previous generations where they did the wrong things and it was mm-hmm. bad for them so but anyway thank you so yeah. much I think this is all about experimenting and I can't yeah. wait to see and hear Absolutely. what you do <laughs> thank you so much get on up there yeah. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. I think that's like my favorite word about this is experimentation, Mm -hmm. but small, small, right? Iterative. Think innovation. When you're dealing with innovation, you don't go out with your full formed thing. You go out with an alpha, friends and family, angel. You go out with a beta. You test the heck out of it, right? Then you go out with the launch. So it's soft launch to hard launch. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is any different. Test get a sense, see what happens, see who comes to the table, work with them, figure out what that looks like, find other artists who are in the space. There are tons of people in this space doing amazing things. Open up Twitter, take a look and see who's out there and listen first. Listen and learn, contribute, gift, then you get. Incredible. 
Hi, um, my name is Taurus, and I'm with 333 Music LLC. We have our own indie label. Um, nice. It's been about six years that we've been doing this, but we were releasing music uh, way before that without a company. So we were just putting stuff on the streaming services and releasing things and having things, you know, the the, the money going into our own personal accounts mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But now we're we're all established, and we just got to the point to where we start to understand how to navigate this social media and streaming, uh, marketing music and everything, and now everything is different. So my question <laughs> is, do you think it's smart to start to go back through our old catalog of music and create NFTs from that stuff and start promoting that in a new way? Because we have so much catalog. We have like four or five albums of different things that we released in different genres that did pretty well. But we look at that like, wow, maybe we can go, instead of just constantly creating new things, we can go through our old catalog and create new content for NFTs and for the metaverse and stuff like that. What do you think about doing something like that? Or do you think it's probably a waste of time? I know that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, when I first started researching the Web3, that was the first thought I had, is I should just have all of my artists go back catalog, put everything out as an NFT and allow it to live there and see who buys it. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Okay, <laughs> terrible. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but here's why. Build the space first. Yeah. So if you go out there as the label and you shine light on your artists and you hold space, you hold Twitter spaces. I don't know if you've done all of that. Have yeah. you done that work? Yeah, yeah. It's minor, but not, not majorly. Okay, so you've already done that. Yeah. So then I think, yeah, if you've established yourself, then you can go back and be like, oh, like not all at once, but like one at a time yeah. and release it Yeah. with a strategy yeah. that's yeah. actually about, here's what I think, posterity, right? Preservation, provenance. Those are literally the new three Ps in my mind. It's like, you know, it's going to be there for forever. It's yeah. posterity, right? And you know that the provenance can be established, the ownership, right? Yeah. So it's like, at this point, it's just a matter of like, how do you get them? Like, what's the, what does the market allow for, for the money, right? right. That right. piece should be the last part because right. for what it's worth, do something innovative with that sound file or that NFT piece that then unlocks something else for them to want to be a part of that journey with you. So it's not just about releasing the asset and right. asking them to either mint or buy or whatever. Right. It's about what does it do more? How does they? How do you get them back continually back in your ecosystem? Right. So before you do any of that back catalog, I would just say, what are you creating and how does it fit into that cycle, right? right. So if you're saying once a month, I'm going to do a rare find. Like that's how you can word that kind of stuff where it's yeah. like very much about scarcity, right. not about having everything on chain just for, you know, right. does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and I think this, that whole thought process came from, uh, we've been doing a lot of talk about legacy and once about you start which one? A, a lot about legacy, Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 so, for sure. So That's once all I you think start about. getting into that, you're, you, you start to think about, well, how can we make these things last longer than us? You know, how can we have exactly. these things Providence go on further and, and further? And so mm -hmm. that's how the whole conversation mm -hmm. came up. And then, you know, we, we just, we thought of that idea, but I'm so glad 
that we didn't start trying to do this. <laughs> I've been talking to a lot of people about it, but I think that's the best answer. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and, I, and I, what I mean is it's not a, it's a terrible idea to just throw it up there. Yeah. It's a really good idea to go back and offer fans their, like, something very important, which, like, one of my artists has had a vinyl out of print for seven years. It was their debut wow. album. And as part of the pre-order, I said, if anybody has a wallet, let me know, and we will do something special for you. Out of all of the, I mean, it's a soul band, right? So out yeah. of all of the fans that bought, you know, hundreds of the, the, of the vinyl, there was only one person who had a wallet. So wow. I wanted to be able to give him something very special, and we're working through an actually one of one for that. But I think the point is more like, make sure you know your audience. Are they there? Can they help? And if you do have an audience, start finding ways to bring your back catalog meaningfully front. Oh, also, if you look at, um, I'm sure you probably have heard this stat, but in the last few years, you know, they're, they're realizing the importance of the back catalog, which really only means 18 months or older, right? Oh, so yeah. back catalogs used to, in my mind, was like something from the 80s or the 90s. You know what I mean? Now it's like, right. if you're an 18-month-old song, it's a back catalog. It's considered, you know, wow. something that is a catalog. So yeah. you could also just be like, you know, deep cuts, like just have some fun with why you're doing it. But make it meaningful. Don't just put the song up. Make it meaningful and be like, this is one of four or your exclusive mint, you know, have that scarcity piece be a part of it and just yeah. don't throw it all up because that it's not going to, that's not going to move the needle. It's going to be more like, what's the meaning behind it? Yeah. And just to make a quick statement. Um, so I, I love that you said that because we did something recently where we had a five song EP of these songs that we used to perform live but we never recorded them. We thought mm. to record them. Then we did it and put them on CDs and sold a hundred of them for like $5 a piece. And that's it. So once we did it, we autographed them and did all this stuff. And we just thought that's how, that's where music is going. It's not, we would love to sell a million copies of something, but now it's about your core fans and doing something special that yeah. you would never get that kind of money from, from streaming. So no. Yeah. There's yeah. been a lot of talk about like your hundred true fans, right? Or a thousand yeah. true fans. Yeah. And I mean, you know, many people have thoughts on that. I personally feel like you can't expect fans, like let's put it this way. Like we can't all support everybody's career, right? right. So you're going to think about it. Like you might buy an NFT from like 10 different artists or 20 different artists, but there's only one that you're going to be like, every single time they do it, I'm going to do something. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. just consider that like, that idea of scarcity, that idea of what you mean to those fans, like it really is um, thoughtfulness like and, and, and the new community and a way to identify these people. And frankly, the, the legacy piece is like in five years or whatever, you can still be able to say like, we were part of a unique experience and like here we are doing more, right? Then you can identify yeah. them. And I think there's a lot more tools coming. You know, this I'm hoping for what it's worth, that this is shedding light on some of the DSPs, that they're really holding hostage the relationship between the artist and the fan. Yeah, and that is sure. uncool and unkind. And I know Spotify yeah. just opened up a DM thing. Um, I'm, I have said for many years, I don't know why Spotify stopped that process, because it used to be you could connect with each other. This is It's terrible that that happens. We build, yeah. as musicians, we're in representation of musicians, we're building out entire platforms and technology that are on the back of the artist. So I'm like, no, absolutely not. They should let us talk to our fans. And that's what this is about. So yeah. I feel very strongly about that dialogue just being like a complete, you know, hostage situation that is unnecessary. Awesome. 
Thank you so much. That's like exactly yeah, what this episode is all about. That's what we talked about at the beginning with direct to fan right? I know this is like the third time I've said it, but instead of just popping your Spotify link up and giving me fractions of a penny, it's direct to fan right. direct to fan So whether I'm talking about like your website or Bandcamp or what Kristen's talking about, it's all the same. Create great art. Take care of your fans a very close second. Yeah. And you can't expect everybody to be there all the time. So don't get salty if they can't. <laughs> awesome. Well, unless I, I think we're good. I think that was a lot of information. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your passion. My pleasure. And your this was incredible. <laughs> it was great to meet you like this. I appreciate it. In our own little Tower Labs metaverse here. Yeah. I, I really am so jealous. I can't even tell you. Well, you can check it out next time you're here. I'm coming. I'm coming. Amazing. Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thank you, Emily, for having me. I really appreciate it. It was really, really fun. Yeah, my pleasure. So that's a wrap for episode six of season three of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams, which means we're halfway through taking you through the entire modern music industry, making sure you're not missing any uh, revenue streams along the way as well. Join us on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern in real life here at Tower Labs in Brooklyn or via live, live stream on our YouTube as we discuss how to market with or without a budget with Junae Brown, founder and CEO of Brown to Perfection Agency, who is also known as the Beyonce of marketing. Super excited for that conversation. Thanks so much to podcast manager Michael Zimmerlich, engineer Nathan Kane, Matthew Wong for compo- yesterday's guest, Matthew Wong for composing the show's music, Danny, David, and Jake at Tower Records, the Ally Coalition, Liquid Death, Hal Leonard, and of course, the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment's New York Music Month for making this all happen. We'll see you Monday. Thank you.